This is episode 18 of RBM Spokes with actor-turned-producer Chase Crawford. You're listening to the Red Bicycle Media Spokes Podcast, a show about the experiences of a film production house and the people they work with in the film industry, with your host, James Pizarro. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Spokes. We are glad you are able to make it today. Uh, this is producer Christian once again introducing you to another great episode that we have. So a little backstory about today's guest. Uh, we He is a producer, actor turned producer. We met him last year on his set with our fellow director friend Zach Dalton, who has directed some great stuff, including a couple of our projects. And... Um, a lot of fun, a lot of good times with these guys. And then we worked with them again a couple weeks ago on a commercial. Uh, so that was also a great time. A good crew selected by Zach and Chase. And also just the precautions they took with COVID and everything. I thought they did a great job on set. Uh, so I think that's kind of also why we have him on today. Uh, just to talk about those type of things. You'll hear more of this on the podcast on this episode. A couple more tidbits about our guest today. He is from the Cincinnati area. He's an actor-turned-producer who's acted in many movies and TV shows, one of them being a Sundance-selected film called Goat, which starred James Franco and Nick Jonas. And he talks about that a little bit, talking about making connections as a producer. And he has his own production company, of course, uh, 4x3 Productions. And they have a few movies coming out within the next within this year, actually. Uh, so that's really exciting, really exciting news for him, and we're really glad to have him on the podcast. So without further ado, here is Mr. Chase Crawford. Hey, we have uh, Chase Crawford on today, and uh, welcome, Chase. I'm glad you came on. Yes, I'm glad that uh, I was able to join you today. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, we're fresh off a shoot last week, and uh, that was a an interesting endeavor in itself. So um, basically tell me about your background. First of all, I know you didn't start off in producing. You were an, you, you are at, were an actor or still acting. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I got my start as an actor. Um, I mean, really the real start was like when I was 15 years old, I had got my hands on a T3i and started making YouTube videos with my friends. Um, through a strange turn of events that kind of led to, so essentially me and my friends would make these fake Taco Bell commercials before I even knew what the word spec was. And their marketing team found um, my videos and had reached out to me um, to ask if I could come to, to LA to write and direct a commercial for them. So at 17, I got to go to LA like on a whim, do, experience this still crazy thing. Um, and then kind of bring that back, that experience back to Cincinnati. Um, I ended up graduating high school early. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I love entertaining. I loved being in front and behind camera. I, I mean, I won't say I don't still love being, uh, you know, in front of the camera, but behind it is where I stay very steadily employed. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I did a couple films. I had a film that I was in go to Sundance. Um, I had one that I was in go to Toronto International. Um, you know, just little stuff here and there. Um, and then when I decided to make like the full pivot to producing, which is ironically uh, enough after I did my taxes and I was like, yo, I need to work a lot more. I just like emailed every, <laughs> every producer on the call sheets and I was just like, hey, um, 
this is what I want to do with my life. Um, I know that this is probably coming out of the blue, but I'd love to uh, work with you for free on a project if I can, just to learn. Um, I ended up actually produce the first film I produced. I was, I was either 19 or 20. Um, but it was a friend from high school. He had written a script. He had asked if I would produce it. We shot it in eight days. Um, you know, it did uh, a lot of noise respectively in the faith-based field. Um, we got some great Dove reviews, that sort of deal. Um, and really kind of helped me land this current deal that I have right now um, with a company who makes films on spec for Hallmark and Lifetime. Um, which is nice recurring work. They do 20 projects a year. They try to sell them for placements. Um, and, you know, we kind of have seven to 10 days to shoot those. So on the interview, when the first project I did was eight days long for next to no money and faith-based, they were like, okay, he knows how to make films that can sell um, and quickly and cheaply. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I got to where I've gotten, I did a film uh, moon dance which had um you know a much larger budget than uh some of these other ones that went to theaters and uh kind of got uh sidelined by covid a little bit but nonetheless uh here i am and we just shot last week together i know that was a great experience and i think i don't think a lot of people know how to um almost uh not only reinvent themselves but literally invent themselves and find work out of nothing and uh what gave you that idea to actually, to actually approach, um, you know, approach the producers, you know, cause that takes a little chutzpah and just being able to write them a, a letter and say, what was your general response from that? Okay. So, uh, maybe something I skipped over. So while I was in high school, my last two years of high school, I went to vocational school. Um, so like a tech and art school and ended up graduating with my two-year degree in media production. So I already kind of like had this background where like if I wanted to go like produce the local news or like do something like that, I could probably get it some sort of job with that. But I wanted like 10 times, 20 times more than that. So, um, you know, kind of pivoting my way I knew with acting, I could get to in front of who I wanted to. Uh, qu more quickly, I was able to get, you know, with uh, in films with like producers like Christine Vachon and uh, Vince Jolivet and uh, meet people like James Franco and, and Nick Jonas and people who have produced their own projects as well. And kind of just being able to submerse myself in that atmosphere. Like when the film got accepted to Sundance, I went to Sundance. I used the name of the film to the fullest of extent so I could get in the places and meet these people who I normally wouldn't be able to meet in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, so, I mean, I've really always just continued to invest in myself as far as like, man, I probably didn't have 800 bucks to go to Utah when I was 19 years old and just got married and just had a kid, but I did it. And we stayed in Salt Lake City and drove to Park City every day. And we rented a $20 car in the middle of winter that got stuck on the road one time, like just stuff like that. It, being able to uh, appropriately invest in yourself, it, it doesn't always have to be lavish or the way that people who are like making it are doing it. You just have to be there. That's what I kind of learned. So I was just there for uh, you know, the cheapest way I could be and trying to rub elbows and, um, and, you know, so far so good. 
I think I, I think that's, that's certainly great. And you know, I've I've uh, with other guests we've talked a little bit about this. And you know, we're all goal oriented, but I've I've also tried to be journey oriented, where I'm just enjoying the ride and and really kind of embracing each step as as just kind of like paying your dues or not not having this is a pure misery now look granted some of the times are miserable but is that something that you've tried to incorporate and just try to stay positive because you're also raising a family at the same time yeah i mean the bit the the hardest balance is you know is balancing a business and a career and family and goals and you know goals for your family goals for your career uh you know someone who i spend a lot of time with says you know you can only have a person who has more than one focus is not focused. So you can have a focus on your business and you can have a focus on your family. But, but if you have more priorities than that, then that starts, that's when things start to like, when you have hobbies that start to take over your life or when you have thing, because a hobby is going to take away. And I think everyone should have hobbies. This is an anti-hobby like sentiment, but but it's like, you know, hobby takes away from either family or career. That's the truth of it, right? So, you know, I think a lot of hobbies can complement your family or complement your career, which is, I think, why people pick smart hobbies to have hobbies like, oh, I'm going to learn animation. Okay, well, that helps my career. Once I know animation, then I can charge a higher day rate. Or, hey, I'm going to get into renovating houses. Great. My wife and my family will love me when I save them $20,000 renovating the basement myself. But, <laughs> but if your hobby is, uh, you know, for a while I collected sports memorabilia. Well, let's see. That takes away from the money portion of the family. And and I have a bunch of signed jerseys of grown men. Great. Perfect. I win. You know, that's kind of like when I when I started to like reassess like how smaller portions of time I'm spending each day play into the bigger picture. Um and and really just like taking advantage of every second of every day. So it's like uh, you know, getting into the excruciating details. I probably only sleep seven hours a night, six to seven hours a night. But from 7 a.m. every morning to 12, you know, midnight every night, I am like, you know, making breakfast for my family in the morning, like really getting the most out of that family time before I go to work and then trying to get the most out of my work days, spending time with family and then, you know, spending time with my wife or, uh, you know, she likes to go to bed early, getting back into the emails, catching up on anything that I missed for the day before waking up and doing it all over again. I think, I think structure is the biggest thing. Um, not just young people, but I think a lot of people lack structure and they're not just days, but in their lives. <laughs> and, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I probably just had structure beaten in my head since I was a child, but sometimes that's like, the biggest step one that people can get if they want to change their lives is seeing if they have structure. And then uh, when they realize they probably don't kind of finding a structure. How do you feel then if, uh, when was there a particular time that you felt you might've turned a corner and say, you know what, I can make a viable living doing this. And um, what, what was the thing that, what was that domino that finally fell and said, you know what, I think I'm going to be okay. Um, I mean, honestly, it's really been pretty recently. Um, I think, uh, you know, from a business perspective, I've been able to gain some retainer clients, which has added some comfort to what we do. Um, and then I also have the film stuff going. So, you know, 
I think once once pen hit paper on that five film deal, I was like, okay, this is like this is starting to feel like uh, something that's viable, right? I, I did it myself. I showed that I could do it, and now like a small indie studio sees that I can do it, wants to hire it out. Perfect. So it's like now I feel like at this point it's just like it's it's life imitates a video game a lot of the time where you have to kind of beat like the low level bosses before you can get up to the bigger boss level um so kind of just like knowing where i'm at being honest with myself about it not expecting a deal from sony tomorrow stuff like that i think is all important i think um and and you know uh kind of uh, springboarding off of that. How do you feel then your skills have developed? Uh, are they scalable now that you feel you can do the big projects? And um, after all, a big project is just a, a, a little project scaled up. Yeah. Um, I know that I have the teammates around me that I can lean in on if I were to um, take on a bigger project. Like right now, we're pitching a project that we need uh, a little over a million dollars for. So like, I know who I'll need to bring into that uh, team to make that project happen. Cause I know that I can't do it all myself. Um, but smaller projects, like anything right now, anything under 150,000 bucks, 250,000 bucks, I feel very comfortable handling myself just because I've been, able, I've done it, you know, uh, almost 10 times now. I just finished my ninth film. So, so that's one of those things where it's like, I feel really confident and comfortable and like, you know, this ultra low budget range to where it's like, okay, how do I like work my way up to 500K and less and then get really comfortable there and then a million and less. I know that the jump just doesn't happen overnight, but it could because you can strike gold, which is why all of us are like addicted and keep coming back. We're like, oh yeah, this one, it could happen. In theory, you know, from a statistical standpoint, any film could go to Sundance, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so true and it's that variable reinforcement that keeps you coming back like gambling right if you knew you know it's not even pavlovian because if you just get it each and every time you push a button well then it doesn't become a big deal but they but you know that it, it requires that kind of um that kind of effort um and you know and, and having said that you worked in both arenas the the commercial and the narrative uh field is there one you're leaning toward or is it does one kind of serve the other um i mean so the thing with me is uh and and i think a lot of people who who know me can tell you this i love doing it my my goal in all of this is not to dedicate my whole life to it i want to spend uh you know i want to be able to step away at some point i want to be able to sell the company or sell whatever i've built um or hand it off to my daughter but i certainly don't want to be you know 60 years old coming into the office i want to spend time with my family i want to spend time um with my wife and kind of get to travel and see the world because both of us come from um you know pretty earnest households neither of us have been outside the country um neither of us really vacationed extensively like i took her to disney world for our anniversary for the first time um just stuff like that where it's like uh, because we've been put in a really awesome situation where it's like statistically it doesn't add up i dropped out of college we had kids as teenagers and like somehow we're still able to stay afloat freelancing it's like the most insane thing ever right but because we've been able to do it you know i just don't think that 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just think that like the way that things are going right now, if if these next 10 years are as productive as these past two have been, we're going to be able to cover a lot of ground and hopefully in a position to where it can be led by someone. The biggest thing I'm about is like culture. It's less about films and commercials and more about culture. So like every day that I come in, like I don't want to hate the people I work with. I don't want the people that work with me feel that they are not being treated correctly or you know anything like that it's a very it's a very transparent way that i run things the the thing that i kind of draw the line at is like you know i think that work is very important but i also i think family is way more important um so that's kind of you know if i were able to step away from all of this in uh 10 years that would be ideal (laughs) Well, I, I think that's a great goal to aspire to. And if you can, even even the better. And you've had this. Or even just like selectively. I know that didn't answer your question of like commercial or narrative. I, I love making all of it, I guess, is like my brown nosing answer. Um, <laughs> like That uh, is the correct answer. To say <laughs> right. Like I, I know that I can do both of them, um, you know you know me you zach i'd love for us to all be working on a feature for two or three weeks versus you know different commercial spots but you know it's all it's it's all a business we're all here to to we were all given those skills and we all know that those skills have value to someone else and we can help them with their goals and with with their missions like how my goal is to step away in 10 years their goal is probably to step away in 10 years and we can mutually help each other at this point in the road perfect right like the person who made the alexa or whatever like i'm sure they retired oh here it goes i shouldn't have even said it um but it's like they're they're in every room right now. And the person who came up with that concept and helped Jeff Bezos develop it, I'm sure that they were rewarded very handsomely. So, you know, part of it's that one big idea, but part of it's the 20 or 30 small ideas that play into the big picture and kind of get you to that goal. But don't you feel that mindset also um, of, of kind of making quote unquote something out of nothing is innate to you that you can say, well, you know, say it wasn't filmmaking, it was uh, boat building or you know, starting another real estate business or something. I, obviously, you have to love it. it. It still has to have that. You still have to have the kindling in, inside to, to, to kind of make those things happen. Of course, um, I think I think it comes down to like whether whether the work makes you happy or not. Like I don't I don't have any less happiness when I'm shooting a commercial or music video or a movie like it's all and this is this might be the one of the things that's weird or different because I ran into a PA on one of these uh, low budget films. It's like, man, I don't know why you're putting a hundred and ten percent into this when it's like, you know, these are movies with, you know, scripts that have probably been flown through and like it, they've just been pushed out the door to be made. And it's like, dude, because at the end of the day, my name's on this. Like, I'm gonna give it the best that I can because people who start mailing it in this early, they kind of get roadblocked here in their career, right? The people at the next level can see who's mailing it in on this level and who is putting 110%, like who would give them 110% at their level if they were to take a chance on them, right? If someone's already mailing it in, the first rung outside of making your own little independent film in your hometown, uh, you know, that's, that's not a good sign, I don't think. 
at least I probably wouldn't take a chance on anyone who I saw mailing it in uh, on something like this. So, yeah, I mean, like every day, I think we have to decide whether we're in it for the money or the love. And I think, you know, all of us have come together because, you know, Zach too, we're all very protective about what kind of attitudes and egos and stuff we allow. And we all love this at the end of the day. We all want it to be, we all are like in strife for as close to perfection, I think, as we can get. And, and the fun of it, I've been fortunate to be on a couple of your sets and uh, obviously we, we talk about camaraderie and culture, but these are people you like hanging out with. And every we know it's a long, hard day. We know it's the 17th take. We know we have to deal with different, difficult clients, but we all kind of just look at each other and go, you know, at the end of the day, we have to get this job done and we're gonna get it done and we're gonna do it with a smile and with a positive attitude because it needs to be done. Um, yeah. And I saw that, I witnessed that because, you know, everybody on your set, if you can say handpicked, they may not be, but they're not going to come back if they have not uh, passed muster. And that's one thing yeah. I've definitely noticed about your set. Um, and also, the uh, pivoting to your company, 4x3 Productions, you, you, ha you have people who work with you. And first of all, how'd you come up with that name? So uh, 4x3, it's not like... Uh it's not like super meaningful. It's just like the format that I grew up watching like cartoons and stuff. in. um, and I looked it up and to my surprise, no one had taken that, uh, you know, that name. So I think the closest thing is four by two or two by four, which is, uh, Sasha Barry Cohen's production company. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're going to get into suing each other anytime soon. Um, but yeah, four by three was really just, um, I needed a name that was kind of like the first like serious thought that came to it. Um, we have six members of our team focused just on, um, you know, film commercial. Um, we do a lot of post-production right now. Um, and then we handle a lot of, so the bigger, this is where it all starts to get complicated. So my mentor um, started a essentially like an ad agency and then, um, so I produce uh, like bigger budget, like, you know, the ivory spot, that sort of thing. Uh, we'll do those under the warehouse and I'll produce those for the warehouse. Um, but then things like, um, you know, mid-level clients, right? Maybe not Fortune 100 companies, but a little smaller. Um, we'll do those kind of under four by three um, and, and handle beginning to end on that. Um, so that's the relationship with the building. So the people at 4 by 3 we kind of have our own portion here and are able to focus on the film stuff and the commercial stuff that the warehouse is able to supply for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just recently, I mean, due to the corona, we had to, to make a little bit of a pivot um, because we were able to get Moondance in all these theaters. Um, we started to have uh, platforms contact me um, about having Moondance on their platform. And then I was like, man, this is like a valuable contact book that I have now. Um, and we're not going to be able to shoot for a while. Let's like see who, who we know in our first and second circles that have like some good indies and see if we see if they'd be interested in us releasing them and like being their distributor and using these contacts that we have. Um, and we just announced our first uh, project yesterday that's going to be 
uh, pure distribution partner, which is called, it was actually called the last, first it was called the last party in New York, then it was called the last party. Um, and then uh, I got introduced to, to the director, we talked, I watched the film and I was like, dude, we should rebrand this as a Christmas movie because it's all about this last Christmas party that these uh, this group of friends has. And I'm like, we should rebrand this. And I think that we can take it to market this Christmas and probably do really well. So that's the first project. We have a bunch of others that we're looking at right now, but uh, including like re we're working on repackaging um, like, you know, certain YouTubers content and then pitching those as shows as well. So like, hunting, fishing, that stuff is huge. Um, content for that is huge. And these people are already making hours and hours of content on YouTube. How can we kind of jump in, repackage, and then pitch to our partners and see if we can essentially take, you know, user-generated content and create, turn it into a television show, more or less. Um, so that's kind of the pivot we made now. But, you know, now that we're back in the production, um, you know, I'm working on that. And then we have uh, one of our guys who kind of helps me like associate produce stuff, um, working on that end of the thing. But fortunately we've had more uh, traditional work enter re-enter the pipeline anyways. So who's feeding you a lot of this work? I, are you working with different agencies or is it well, word of mouth or is it repeat business or a little bit of both of everything? Oh man, right now it's a lot of referrals, um, which reminds me that I have two emails I need to respond to. <laughs> like, it's like you say that, I'm like, oh man, I, I gotta get back to these emails. Um, Little acid reflux right yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A lot of referrals. Um, right now we're doing a lot of stuff with different agencies. Um, you know, we kind of, uh, just due to the kind of special relationships that we have, um, we try not to work with too many different agencies. Um, just so they kind of like feel like they have some, like we have kind of a West Coast partner, an East Coast partner, a Midwest partner, just so they kind of feel that they have something like, um, you know, a little exclusive to sell. Um, and then we get a lot of repeat business from that. And then we also have, you know, clients of our own, um, you know, at the warehouse, uh, Procter & Gamble's a big client, um, Cal Brands. Um, we do a lot of stuff with um, Red Bull and Google. So just like stuff like that is, is really nice to like hang your hat on um, and like really get to play around with some big ideas, some like uh, some, some stuff that can really, uh, you know, it's, it's advertising. We're, we're trying to help them generate sales. So, you know, if, if they see the number on the bottom line because of something that we helped made, then mission accomplished, right? Um, so that's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, big shoots, big ideas, but also hopefully we're pushing a lot of numbers for them. So then they keep coming back, which is a, a huge part of our business is um, just return people, you know, being fair across the board as far everything from pricing to transparency on timelines to um, anything like that along the way, I think is what builds that return customer. Um, and ultimately it's the end product, which, uh, you know, I'm pretty proud of what we've been making. Would you say the majority of your clients already have a treatment or a, a concept in mind and they expect you to kind of counter with something? You know, one of the challenges, um, that I, at least I've run into is that when clients approach you and sometimes it's your job to tell them what they want, they don't know what they want. 
and what the scope of that is and, and how much they want to spend and all. How are your clients coming to you? Are they, are they half-baked or are they, do they have a clear vision on what they want to do and you just kind of mold that? So it's, it's awesome. Uh, the relationships with other agencies work so well because they all already come essentially pretty lined out. They just need help with uh, executing it at that point, like production and post-production. Um, the, the, uh, the other side of the business is a lot of general meetings, a lot of golf outings, a lot of taking someone out to drinks and learning more about them and learning kind of what their company is and what their objectives are and how we can help and what kind of synergies they have in other aspects of the business that need photo, video, all of that stuff. Because, you know, the more that we can learn about them, the bigger of a picture that we can paint for them. Whereas like, if we're just so micro-focused on like, all right, cool. So it's like this company, right? They have like this. And if all they're focused on is this, and then they realize they have no content of this, uh, which for audio users, I'm holding up two different size remotes. Uh, you know, that's that's because we didn't know the whole picture. We can't paint the whole picture for uh, for the audience or for for the company, for that matter. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, a lot of it is kind of developing ideas, playing the what's your budget game, playing the you know. <laughs> what what are you expecting out of me for how much money that's the, that's the that's the, that's the underlying question and you can't always be super direct right i wish it's that, always, i wish that uh, the most just fun conversation super... right <laughs> is that and everybody it, it's almost like the gorilla sitting in a room you know you got to go to it and it was like uh, so uh what are you thinking you know and and, and what you want to spend um and that's, that's always a, a challenge. And I'm sure you've walked away for projects that just did not seem uh, like a good fit. What is your um, a disengagement approach when you go, this is just not gonna work out? First of all, I, I always believe in getting out early if you can. Yeah, so you I was about to say, it depends the, on how long you wait. I'm invested. Yeah, I mean, my, <laughs> my exit strategy, let's see. There's just some stuff. I mean, I'm super direct. I, you know, I've, I've gotten emails from, you know, and this is, uh, this is nothing personal, but I've just got messages from people whose music genres uh, that I'm not super into. So I'll get things from music genres that I'm not a super fan of, and I'll just pass on it from the start. Right. It's just like, I don't really think that this is for me. Uh, And I'm not really trying to, or what the budget is because uh, then it might be for me and I don't want it to be for me for the wrong reasons. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I'll always try to get out as early as I can. Um, I'm trying to think of some like disaster scenario, but I'm pretty forward. I mean, like uh, I, I'm, I'm very forward. If I don't think a budget's going to work, I'm the first to say like, I, you know, you're, welcome to explore other options like here's some production partners i think that could do it for this all of that stuff which most of the time honestly like leads them back to you because it ultimately i think drives that trust that like you're looking out for them and not trying to cut any corners i mean there's a thing you could do it right or you could do it cheap so um i mean <laughs> it, it, that's 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 sometimes the challenge we always run into. People don't get the concept of why this costs so much, and I mean I'm I'm witness to it. Uh, the the two days that we spent um, down in Southern Ohio were uh, I mean it was a challenging day to squeeze into two days, right? I mean uh, 
would have been nice to, to have three days to do that. But, you know, at the same time, we're happy with the work. Now, during the, uh, we're actually, hopefully, it's never going to be post-COVID. I think we're still in the midst of it. You're still finding work. Uh, and, and I noticed on set there were certain protocols that you had, um, which was great. I think it made everybody feel safe and know that production st can still exist during uh, COVID. Um, how has the work been coming in steadily, like you'd mentioned, uh, uh, during the COVID times? Yeah, we've, um, you know, because of kind of uh, our... Uh, whatever you want to call it, being on the front of the wave of the whole COVID prevention thing. Um, you know, we've been able to get to set uh, quicker than I think other companies have. Um, we have an OSHA plan that's filed with uh, SAG that's been approved. It's like 65 pages. It was a pain to get together, um, but it keeps us all employed, which I'm happy to do. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the biggest thing though is just like, the temperatures, the waivers, like all of the other things that you just need to do to cover your bases. Um, that's kind of like, you know, the, the biggest thing is just, there's a lot more paperwork, a lot more things to think about, like individually packaged lunches, uh, all of that stuff. I'm going to ask you this loaded hypothetical question that okay. nobody likes to answer. So um, I, I, I'm not going to ask you that, you know, why you became a producer, how you became a producer and all that. But I, I would like to know what, um, what do you think in general is a skill set that makes a great producer or somebody that can uh, do what you do from a day, in a, in a day to day? Attention to detail is the biggest number one thing. Um, I think we're kind of, um, you know, other people that we have brought on to work with us that may have not worked out. I think the biggest thing that they lacked was attention to detail. Um, even, you know, it's not, it's not always just like going to the wrong address or showing up at the wrong time. It's like, okay, like we can totally see a hard shadow. Like why didn't you just crop in ever so slightly to this shot to make it look so much better? Just like little things like that along the way. Um, it's always like, it just adds up and kind of like, uh, you know, we're all in, in search of whatever perfection is to us. And for us, it's very clean, high end video. So, uh, you know, we can't really, I don't know. I've kind of like, uh, I've had a lot of realization, uh, in the past couple of weeks, I kind of, I took a chance on a kid who had dropped out of school and got burnt pretty hard. So I'm, uh, there's a lot of things that I've learned over the past couple of months just about, um, you know, at the end of the day, some people, some people just, they don't realize that this is a career. I think that that's another important thing. It's like this, it, you know, while we're all artists and we're all like, screw a desk, screw a cubicle, like all of that, right? It's like, this is a job, like you have to show up like, Every other day of the week, I can wear t-shirts and, sh and shorts, but like on set, I'm going to wear dress pants. I'm going to wear my, my polo shirt. I'm going to wear whatever to look nice and be presentable because th this is my career. This is my job. I'm very happy to have this career. I'm very happy to have this job. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep that, right? I think that that's the one side of it. I think the other thing is like, man, you just have to be like a very good good communicator. Um, you know, I think that having a mother, a mother that was an English teacher is a blessing and a curse. Um, but I learned how to be a very cl 
clear communicator um, of of everything, you know, of of work, you know, hey, can you please do this and really lay out the orders so there's no question about what needs to be done. Um, I think being a natural leader is is one of the things um, and, and kind of having a very clear vision. Um, I think that, I mean, it's almost like, and this isn't like, a, this isn't about me, this isn't, uh, you know, about anyone specific, but it's like, you have to have a lot of the, uh, the qualities that like a CEO of a company has, because at the end of the day, that's, that's what you are, right? So you have to be very clear. You have to be patient. You have to be, have attention to detail. You have to be focused on the vision. You have to be juggling all of these things. Like, I can't be thinking about a shoot that we have next week. I need to be thinking about like, how can we land this thing in March? Or like, how can we, you know, we were supposed to go to Israel for a doc shoot in May. And I'm like, how can we need to like put this back on the calendars and get this back in motion and like all of these things like not letting things get on the back burner like you're you know a head chef might be a, a better a better term right it's like you got to know all the meals in the back of your brain you got to know how to tell people what to do or else food's going to get burnt people in the kitchen are going to be pissed like you know the people at your restaurant aren't going to come back yeah that's a much better analogy i like that one better do you think that smaller crews and uh, I, I'm going to call it micro crews less than you know less than twenty or thirty will have more of a place now, especially uh, uh, people trying to keep their numbers down and maybe even costs down, but still produce high quality work? How do you think? What, what do you think the near future or the future is for them? Uh, so yes, I do think I think that we're going to see, and I think we are seeing budgets go down, um, crews go down, because. I think a lot of people are finding this sweet spot of, sorry, excuse me, of um, less than they spent before, but like 90 to 95% of the quality and they're okay with spending, you know, 20 to 30% less and still get 90 to 95% of the job done. I think that that's kind of where we're seeing this sweet spot of micro crews coming in where it's like, you know, technically you only need six or seven people to get something done right if you have eight or nine then you get something good done if you get nine or ten then it's something like now you're pushing it towards something great and then something perfect right that's like what you're you're constantly climbing this ladder up and like you know it's like okay cool it'd be nice to have hair and makeup here okay boom they will help us get that extra percentage for the person that's there but like an assistant no way right we can't no way so we have we have a lot of people wearing different hats now but that's just how it's going to be that's just how it is well i'm like brandon on set who's able to you know what i loved about him and and that told me a lot about his character is that he just you know he was he was our sound guy and yet he can pitch in to move a light stand or pull focus or, or what i mean that that spoke volumes and, and you yeah. almost have to be cross-trained and not be offended that you're asked to push in and help for a bit. I thought that was, I thought that was huge. And I, uh, you know, those are the kind of people you want in your foxhole, so to speak. Hey, so man, where can we find you? I'm going to let you get back to your email. So where do we find you? Um, uh, I am C H S E C R W F R D on everything. And, um, 
my Venmo is that's when you can cut out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate you coming on and uh, I look forward to collaborating in the future. You're really fun to work with. And uh, anybody who has not worked with Chase uh, needs to look him up because he's a he's not only a, a very productive and great person on set, he's just a, a really great guy. So uh, thanks again, Thank Chase. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm really glad that we were able to get this on the books. And that is it for today's episode of Spokes with Chase Crawford. Uh, Chase, thank you for coming on. Loved the conversation. Loved having you on. And uh, hopefully we get to work again someday. Uh, if you like this episode, please check us out. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple, Stitcher, Google. Uh, subscribe. Please leave a review. Leave a comment. i uh, love to hear from you. We are also on social media. You have Chase's information from before. Ours is at Red Bicycle Media. You can check James out at, at JTP Red Bike. And I'm at C underscore PIZ23. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>